All right. Let's start off with our prayer. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. So, uh, icebreaker for the day. So, in uh, Vishnu Sasranama, there is one particular uh, Nama of uh, uh, Vishnu which summarizes the entire Advaita, Advaita Vedanta. And let me share that with you today. So the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the shloka goes like this. Guru Gurutamo Dhamma Satya Satya Parakramaha Nimisho Nimishasragvi Vachaspati Rudharadi Sragvi is the word. Okay. So, uh, you know, um, the word Sragvi means someone who is wearing a srag. Okay. Now, what is srag? Okay, srag in uh, Hindi, I, I, the closest that I looked up to is, is a word called shrinkala, okay, which is like a mala, right? Shrinkala is mala. And in Telugu, it's called, uh, uh, you know, saram. Saram means a, a mala again. So what does it mean, right? Like, so uh, sragvi means is someone who is wearing a mala. That's what it means, right? Now, what's the deeper meaning for that? So mala means vaijayanti mala. Okay, so something which is Vaijayanti Mala is what that wearer is wearing. Okay, so what is Vaijayanti? Vaijayanti means that place uh, which is actually the Indra's uh, home that is known as Vaijayanti apparently. Okay, now who is Indra? Indra is that person who has gained mastery over his Indriyas, the sense organs. Therefore, the person who wears that mala is someone who has already gained mastery over his sense organs. Okay. Now, what does that mean? What does gaining mastery over sense organs mean? And how is it related to a mala? Here is a connection, right? So when, when a person gains mastery over sense organs, the five panchabhutas, right? The akasha and all those things, and the combination of these elements become objects and, you know, whatever that happens in this entire universe. Okay. The person is not impacted by what is happening in those five things. So what he does is he uses them, but he wears them like a necklace on him. That's what it means by struggling. All right. So that is, uh, uh, that was something to remind us of Advaita. So I thought, okay, let's share that today. So where do we start today? You know, uh, Kishore, you made an excellent presentation last week and I'm still reeling from the shock of it. How to assimilate that information and, you know, use them, use that information. Um, so there are a lot of people who said that we, uh, there were questions and we'll have to think through and all that. So maybe we can start off from wherever that we want. Probably spend the first few minutes with uh, asking Kishore the questions that we want to clarify. Yeah. And then perhaps move on to action and actionlessness. 
works for me. I also have the notes from uh, the chat last week. So let me also pull that up. Okay. So in case you already looked at the notes, if you think that there are some questions that you can already pre-answer so that, you know, the people can, um, you, know, you can articulate the question and then the answer what you have. Right. Right. Yeah. While I go through this, yeah, uh, feel free to chime in. Um, I'm just going through this just to make sure. So, okay, there was one question about, uh, should we, okay, let me actually, why not I share this? Sorry. Are you able to see the screen? You are, right? Yep. Not able to uh, increase the font. It's okay. I think we can see it. Oh, we can see it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, it was a question from Sarah, right? Uh, about um, doing things for uh, happiness versus from happiness. So, uh, does it mean that uh, ambition and the motivation to do things and achieve things would that go down, right? And I think that's a, a very, very valid question. It's, a, it's something, um, it's, it's, it's probably the number one question that comes up, uh, comes up in, you know, as you get more and more into spirituality, does it mean that um, the material gains or the motivation for material things, will it, um, and ambition, does that go down, right? So the way I think about it, and please, uh, everyone, please chime in, uh, is, is that um, as we start doing things, not, you know, you're welcome to do anything, right? Whether it's achieving a promotion or going after that, or, or uh, buying, new, buying a new house, buying a new gadget, whatever that may, might be, uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, but, don't expect happiness out of that, right? So uh, why not do it just for the sake of doing that? Whether it's um, doing something, uh, you know, whether it's whether you're singing or getting involved in a new type of work, why not do it for the sake of that work, for the intrinsic value of that work, instead of expecting that thing or event to give you happiness? So that's the difference we're talking about. So when we do that, I think, that becomes um, eventually that, that that becomes the workers' worship type of a um, uh, um, bhavana instead of uh, instead of looking at it as a source of happiness. So let me stop there. I, I I I wonder if anybody else has a point of view there. I liked what the way that you said it, Kishore. I think. Uh, uh, sorry, before I say that, guys, who are not talking, can you please mute your mics? I think the, I, I think that I uh, like the way that you said it, Kishore, because um, uh, it's big, big stone, one big misconception that we have that we can find happiness in outside objects. Okay, so we can still continue to uh, uh, you know acquire outside objects, but we don't need to necessarily 
have that uh, uh, association of you know happiness comes from there and you know it goes back to the 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 nama that we just now discussed right of uh, vishnu sragvi you know we to get to that attitude which says okay hey it's yeah i'm going to do whatever that i want to do in the in the world wear it like a garland on me but i know that that is not going to give me the happiness the happiness is intrinsic to me very well said right. yeah so um somebody else uh, yeah yeah please, please chime in i'm trying to increase the font of this guy yeah i think uh, this change uh, or change in perspective i think it's beautiful i i, I find it very liberating in fact uh, when you're able to work without the pressure of deriving something out of it um uh, that that expectation goes away i find it super liberating when we can just say why are you doing this just because that's it there, there is nothing more to it because i'm uh, um i'm able to do it and i'm doing it for the sake of doing that i think that's a very very liberating um way of uh, of looking at it because there is no expectation of a specific result again goes back to our karma yoga concept and it's a um it, it's very um essential i think and this is the biggest takeaway um one of the big takeaways from this whole thing i would say all right um should we even call the goal happiness it seems like a limiting perspective um going through chapters 1 and 2 yeah if you keep striving for the same is, is isn't that going to cause dissatisfaction of not having achieving achieved the happiness good question um yeah i i would love to see if anybody else has an answer and then i, I have an opinion but anybody else wants to pitch in let me highlight that so um uh one way of looking at this this is why i was trying to um separate out the happiness as we know it today which is i think the lower grade of happiness from the higher grade of happiness and i was trying to define what is that higher grade of happiness right so if we define that as moksha and we don't un- quite understand what that is um yet right so i didn't want it to be very vague saying moksha i it, which is an important thing but we are not there yet to understand what that is like right so i was trying to see what would be a good way of stating that and that's why i uh, you know just to go back to uh, this thing here um let me find i was trying to explain this through this chart it may or may not have come through but i was trying to uh, say that we are settling for a lower grade out here somewhere here which is all sensual through Thank the sense sure. organs so, sorry uh, so, sorry to interrupt i if you are showing something it's not appearing on my screen i don't know oh others can see it because can i saw you it? move your mouse but yeah we can see Good. are you able to oh. see the presentation or no not the presentation the question. the questions ah. questions Oh yeah, you are trying to show a chart. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, okay, I'll I don't know the presentation is not. Okay, that's fine. I'll um stop the Redu- share. Reduce your then, picture. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll stop the share and I'll share my desktop again. Oh, uh, now you can only see my Yeah, there you go. You can see. Yeah, big bigger down. But I think now you cannot see my questions. 
I don't think so. Right? Which is okay. Can you? Which is okay. We can keep okay. dropping here. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can read out the questions. Okay. So this way, I was trying to portray this using this particular um, uh, slide here that we are settling constantly for the lower grade of happiness. The lower grade of happiness, what's the difference between lower grade and the higher grade of happiness? We can give it a different name for sure. But then um, uh, what is the lower grade? The lower grade is typically conditional. It is uh, sense object driven and uh, sense organ driven uh, eventually. That's how we derive those happiness, whether it's from, uh, from what we see, what we, um, uh, from all the, the, all the, the five sense organs, right? So that's the lower grade of happiness. We settle for that, but one of the uh, qualities of that is it's fleeting for various reasons that we spoke about, which is that it is fleeting for the reason of um, um, the fact that we um, hit the law of diminishing returns, right? So once we have it for a certain time, the amount of happiness it gives you keeps reducing, keeps reducing, just like, you know, we, we, um, when we eat uh, and, you know, the first time we eat uh, the sweet, it's going to give you a certain level of happiness. After some time, it's going to go down, right? So that is an intrinsic part of what these things are like. So what does the other, uh, the higher grade look like? Um, so I thought about it and I was thinking, how can we explain moksha in a, uh, in a form where we can, at this point, understand it better? Um, and so to me, it came down to this, which is, one, it's not conditional, and two, it's long lasting. So here it was fleeting and conditional. It is just the opposite of that, right? So uh, can we achieve something there uh, or aim for something which is, which is of a uh, higher grade, right? So, uh, and obviously when we aim for something that's long lasting or permanent, it cannot be dependent on and unconditional. It, one, it cannot be dependent. And two, it needs to be based on something which is also static, does not change, right? Um, as we look at it from that angle, what is the one thing that does not change, right? And that's where this question comes, comes from, which is, can long-lasting happiness come from transient objects, things that constantly change, right? People, place, things, objects, whatnot. Those are constantly changing. We cannot expect something to last long from something that's constantly changing. So what is that one thing that does not change? And as you keep looking at it, it, it has to be something in very much inside of you. Um, and that ends up, then you arrive at Atma as being the, being the one thing that does not change. And hence, uh, that hap that so the source of happiness for the unconditional long lasting one has to come from within you and has to come from the Atma. And that's the, um, a logical way in which I was able to arrive at that, right? Yeah, and I think, um, I think in, in, in other words, I think uh, the way that I also understood that is at the end of the day, you know, aim for the moon, get it, you will get the moon. But in the process of getting the moon, you know, you may end up in 50th story or somewhere. Uh, yeah. That is still much better than the first story where you are in or the ground story that way you are in. Correct. Uh, and, you know, this X percent happier concept comes from there saying between here and here, there must be some level, right? I mean, it's a gradation um, over a period of time. And uh, you start to see that. You start to see uh, that X person happier, the fact that you can detach yourself from, you know, if it happens, good. If it does not happen, good. So that kind of a, um, uh, 
well, dispassion, for lack of a better word, or vairagyam, as, as how we uh, know it, that starts to develop. And, and with that, it, you, it increases our level of happiness from, from where we are today to that. Right? So that was the point. So let's so go on to the next I question. Think, yeah. Uh, let me move on to the next one, which is, yeah, so is that going to make it uh, dissatisfied? Is, is that going to make us dissatisfied? Um, um, yeah, so the question is basically, the solve then is to make layers of subconscious themselves change the model. Can't happen. So this is from Gunz. Gunz, do you, would you want to explain the second part of it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's basically something referring to a discussion I had with Guntax, like, a lot of people seek that, right? And, and they choose to go one path. Like some people take the extreme step of uh, becoming a sadhu or a sannyasi. And then they realize that, uh, hey, this is, it's not what I thought it was going to be, right? That's the extreme case. But I'm just, as a uh, question that came to mind was, yeah, we keep striving for it, but that it's striving itself starts causing dissatisfaction uh, because we are using our own mind to change ourselves to go yeah. out of our mind, right? Uh, that's why I said I ended up with, okay, maybe there has to be an external stimulus and I just got confused. So I put that question out there for discussion. Um, yeah. I wonder if that external is the guru that we always talk about, but just wanted to uh, get it out there. Yeah, you know, a good point. And I, um, from, again, from my limited experience, you start seeing um, bits and pieces of, of uh, quote unquote, like the fact that you're going in on the right path. So you start to see those bits and pieces and, and along the way, right? So even though yeah. you may not be there yet, it starts to show you that yeah, you are on the right path, right? Whether, whether it's through that FIR analysis we spoke about towards the end or um, even otherwise, you start to see certain bits and pieces. And in, actually in Yoga Sutras, they talk about some of these things in a, in a little more grandiose way, right? What are those, um, uh, uh, there's a term for it. It misses my mind right now. But then the, uh, you start to get those things and then, the whole idea is not to get swayed by that, but to keep following the path. But it does give you some of those things. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, Guns, you know, to your point, right, I think, you know, there's another important thing that we need to discuss here, which is part of our, quote-unquote, uh, the revision that we are doing, which is, you know, something what you said uh, uh, triggered this thought in me, right? You said that, you know, people take the extreme step of going to sannyasa. You know, actually, think about it, you know, uh, Sanyasa is, uh, Kishore, if you can please uh, shut down the uh, uh, video mode, you know, it'll be better if you see the panel of the people. I'm not able to see that. Oh, which one? Uh, the, the, you can shut, shut off the presentation now. We'll, ah, yeah. it's easier. Uh, this is better, yeah. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I was kind of looking at the corner of, my, uh, corner of my screen and trying to see whom I'm talking to. It's very difficult to figure exactly. out. I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay. So what I'm saying is that, uh, uh, Guns, to your question, you know, uh, you say that people take this extreme step of, uh, you know, taking sannyasa and all that. 
I think that's a question that we will have to debate a little bit and talk about it, right? I think that's part of our revision also. You know, what what do we actually mean by it? The way that I understand is that you know, people who take that quote-unquote extreme step of taking sannyasa, what exactly are they doing? Are they moving from place A to place B or place, uh, you know, staying in the same place and doing the same things? What is it? Is it a, is it a change of place? Is it a change of dress? What is it? You know, I think that's an important thing that we need to discuss because people make this uh, uh, mistake saying that my current circumstance is not good. Therefore, the, the way that I can get rid of my current circumstance is running away from it. Okay. In Hindi, they say, they say right, okay. So you want to chop the head off. How is it possible? It doesn't work. So sannyasa is not a movement of one place to another place or changing the garb. It is that attitude in the mind where you're letting go of it. So you can be wherever you want to be, even the busiest mall with all the flashy things. And if you have this attitude, nothing will bother you. Yeah, I, I, I uh, started to realize that after uh, that uh, message on Twitter uh, Pradnya, which I'm listening to now again on in chapter two. So that's yeah. Alpana's favorite topic. Have one on one with her. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I, should. I should. So, so I've been reading about that too, uh, starting at what is uh, two fifty four or something. But thank you. Uh, it's really, really it's, awesome. It's a very, very good uh, clarification. Thanks. So, next question, um, Rajesh, uh, uh, from Rajesh, actually, to everyone. Why can't we be like a surgeon and choose to get rid of dislikes only and retain the likes? So, in the chariot analogy, the passenger is. Uh, Atman can be misunderstood because if Atman is Satchit Ananda, then it does not need to do anything like or dislike anything. We, okay, yeah. Uh, second part is a comment, but the question is why can't we be like a surgeon and choose to get rid of dislikes and retain the likes? Uh, uh, Rajesh, would you like to comment on that? Or uh, you posted as a question actually. Um, yeah, so for the, for the group. I mean, so it was, it was, you know, when you were talking, it, it came out to me saying that, okay, you know, looks like we seem to be avoiding both likes and dislikes. Uh, we seem to take a path where we are not bothered, swayed by either likes or dislikes. Why can't I just do only things that I don't, uh, that I like? And, you know, if I, because the logic is, if I like something, if I do it, I'll be happy, right? If I don't like something and if I avoid it, I will not be happy. I, I'll be happy still, right? So if I don't like it, but I do it, then I will... I will not be happy, right? If I'm forced to do something. So why can't we just do only those things that, that we like, right? Or, or just eliminate the things that we don't like. That is the question. Yeah. Or, or, um, any comments from anybody on that one? I don't think it's possible to do that. Because it's, it's just a, a, such a wide spectrum, it's just not possible. We, we just have to figure that out. It's, 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 it's like most of the day. It's like Go ahead. when you're watching, sat on a beach watching waves. This is actually from uh, theory of Buddhism in that it's hard to discern which are the good waves and which are the bad waves. They're just waves. Um, so that's the way I've seen it. Yeah, most of the time, you know, the dislike is, uh, you know, 
is on a person on an object which is beyond your control you know what you can only do what you can control and that is your uh, this thing so and hence you know it's very difficult to get rid of all dislikes that way and we also dislike the outcome right the most of the time and which is not in our control so maybe if it's a person or an object you can be a little more conscious about it but most of the time i think we like the action that we are doing but we are expecting some other result and i don't like that result that that that's not able to i can't control it so we have to continue to do good point yeah so it's hard yeah, to uh, it's like not possible that. to do the dislike arises if you get impacted individually um as long as it is happening outside of your uh, circle of influence or you know as long as it's in, it stays in the news it's okay it's that uh, standard example right that dislike is uh, you know um, i heard one story where you hear about a train accident while sipping coffee but then you get a call saying your son was in that train right uh so that is an uh, of course it's not a dislike kind of real like dislike example but obviously you don't want that but it, i don't think it's avoidable and and it's uh it's just a reverse of a like so maybe maybe we should think of everything as a like yeah yeah i mean you're trying to to, to extend uh, extend whatever has been said uh, by all the people you never chase this like right it just comes your way you don't expect it to happen to you let's say you got a, an opinion you want you know uh sometimes you want your way but if it is opposite of what you you're thinking you tend to dislike yeah so the, the, the that's where i want to probe this a little right that's where the question i raised that question because at the end of the day you know likes and dislikes what we have they they can drive us to do something or avoid doing something but the question is in on 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 the path of uh, you know trying to achieve that everlasting happiness we can't avoid either of them if we if we have to do it or if we have to uh, you know something that we have to avoid it because it's not to be done we have to do it without worrying about the impact of what it's going to take so ultimately if you look at it i like the way the gunji was saying you know it's it's the same thing on on, on the same coin on both sides and vivek you use an analogy of waves right you really don't know what you like and dislike second thing is your likes and dislikes are also changing every day so does it mean that you know uh, you know that we are the greatest because you know our likes and dislikes are the best at this point of time it's not because our history only shows what we like uh, today we probably did not like uh, 15 years back right so you know even if i don't like bitter gourd if i'm diabetic i have to eat it I will eat it. So just accept it and just let's kind of you know make peace with it. Saying like dislike is just two parts of the same coin and just move on and just do it. That's the that's the thought that I had. Right. And just to add on to that, uh, I think like the in chapter two two and then Dr. Edwin Brand spoke about uh, in Gita is the word samatvam, right? They always say 
sukha dukha mana apamano laba labo jaya jaya like it gives all this multiple different uh, levels at which we connect to and it says samatvam is yogam samatvam is yogam couple of times and i think at some point then it disappears that this is like or dislike this is something i have to do let me do it for the sake of doing and that probably came to our just to add to that um what is happening at the um wait i think there's to mute somebody okay so what is uh, happening at the level of uh, um the mind right when why samatvam right why equanimity is important um if you think about it it helps you become more calm right so when you're not being dragged on either side either you're uh, you're pulling something towards you or pushing something away from you right so when that tension is not there then obviously the mind is more calm right so it eventually leads to that uh, leads to that place so um and then a calm mind is obviously able to um the intellect is able to act upon it right so the mind is calm and hence the decisions uh, the, when you're faced with situations the intellect is able to um uh, shine and you are able to make those decisions from the level of intellect rather than from the level of the emotional might right so which again leads to more calm right because you've taken the right decision so overall i think that's a, a it's a cycle and uh, and it, it helps feed that positive virtuous cycle all right moving on to panand ajay you have unmuted their mics you guys have something to add here yeah no i was Please. about to add that whether like or dislike if you do something it okay if you take the example of even the like and you do something uh you will have to come back to take the results of that in case Correct. you know you you pass away before getting the results so why create more karma right sure you are you used one interesting word vairagyam in in the context of the chart right yes vairagyam yes. i always thought it as a trigger for people why they start a pursuit a pursuit of seeking etc is it a trigger is it a state because i think you refer to it as a state or i might have understood yeah. different yeah yeah i i think of it as a state uh, or it's it's a it's a progression it's not one point right let's think of it as a progression or i i definitely think of it from along those lines as you start to um it is loosely translated as dispassion or unattachedness right the again goes back to the fact that you're not overly attached to uh, the result being one or the other right so um and you start to see either one is fine right so you do something and the result if it's if it's x it's fine if it's y it's fine too right so uh you start to build that attitude towards that and to me that state or that attitude is is vairagyam yeah right. rajesh akhan do you want to add more to that yeah you know this is i was just going through bruhadaranika upanishad right okay the bruhadaranika upanishad goes it starts off with a great story and gunds knows that story you know he's been writing about that story uh the 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 story is like it's a, it's a conversation between husband and wife so the husband is uh, yagnavalka and he has two wives maitreyi and one more lady i forget her name now 
and so he says one day he says i'm going to go i'm i'm done sorry i forgot the name anpana katyayani katyayani maitreyan katyayani okay so uh, shamla i'm telling the i'm kind of you know i'm narrating the point about to answer your question about vairagyam right so so he he says i'm i'm going to uh, you know go away uh, you know i'm i'm going to give you half of my wealth to you and uh, to both both of these wives equally distribute and go away then uh, uh, katyayani is very happy she says okay fine then she just does, doesn't talk anything maitreyi says okay is this going to give me everlasting happiness the wealth okay whatever wealth that he had he probably did not have a lot but that was all he had then he says no okay and then he goes and then in the whole story he tells about uh, what gives everlasting happiness at one state he when he give he is giving the gyan to uh, uh, to i think it is janaka the, the story goes on further okay then he says that there are three broad categories of uh, uh, of of uh, uh, things that we are attached to okay which is and he categorizes putra loka and vitta okay let me explain what i mean by that so vitta means anything that's related to uh, money or objects okay in general so we are attached to objects or money or things that money can buy out of that okay that's that's one our one attachment second thing he says is uh, putra putra means uh, child but in this broader context relationships okay people relationships then the third one what he says is loka loka means positions that we attain attain it, you can think of it like a title okay title today in our own job world or whatever or it could be titles like you know uh, today we are a human being tomorrow we can be indra tomorrow we can be somebody else or whatever it could be titles in different lokas also so he says that people are enamored with these three things and as they progress they'll progress in one particular fashion move away from uh, attachments to objects okay to moving to attachments to uh, beings and then then they will start realize that that's also not not very good and then you know, this is a beautiful example they say okay you know uh, let's say there's a billionaire and the billionaire has got so much uh, money and he's made a he's but he doesn't have anybody to uh, love him or for him to love love others so he says okay i'm going to uh, uh, because i don't have anything else i'm going to make a, a a dog with gold okay and every day he keeps looking at the dog which is in gold color which is made out of solid gold but he's still not satisfied that is you know that's the you know the um one stage of their uh, um, attachment okay then he realizes even though it is it is is solid gold which is object it is not it okay then he goes and buys the puppy all right now the puppy starts loving him and he starts loving the puppy so suddenly his affection has moved all that gold what he had did not really matter to him anymore because he left it he says that's relevant what's relevant for me is the relationship between me and a dog right so the relationship so he is moved from one to another and then after some time he'll realize maybe the dog will uh, have some problems or whatever or he he will have problems with the dog or whatever right then he'll say okay this is also going to go then he'll say vairagya mean this also now then vairagya mean next thing also and then finally he'll come and say looks like you know whatever that i'm trying to get attached to is going to you know is is not going to give me what i want but i have to go through the process so to to uh, to your question it's actually a process we go through this process think about it okay for people who are extremely dependent on uh, you know material pursuits when i say material money and money related pursuits right 
I think they crave for relationships. Think about it very, very carefully. They really crave for relationships, attention. Why? This is the reason. I think that's very well said. And um, Rajesh, uh, there's another example of, you know, when uh, a child is very attached to the toys, but over a period of time, the same toys that gave so, many, so much happiness in childhood, you kind of move, um, move away from it after a while, right? It no longer is, uh, you're no longer attached to it. It's not like you've pushed it or suppressed it. Just you got over it, right? You got over it and it no longer is giving you the same level of happiness. It's, it's there, it's the same thing, it has not changed, but then how you relate with that has changed, right? So, and you've got over it. And you didn't change by suppression, you changed because that's nature, that's, that's how we become, right? So, Vairagyam also happens in different steps. Uh, it's something that's explained in the Yoga Sutras where they talk about uh, a level where, uh, let's say we are very much attached to coffee, right? Uh, and you've got to have the coffee in the morning or read the newspaper in the morning, whatnot, right? Uh, so one level could be that when that thing is not there, right? When it's not given to you or it's not in your presence, then you, you're okay with it, right? But when, somebody, when you are in contact with it, then the attachment comes, uh, you know, roaring back, right? So, and then it goes into this another level or the higher level where even when it's there, you still are able to um, have the same level of an, an, an attachedness with it, right? And, and so on, right? And the highest level is obviously described as a, uh, as a level where you're completely unattached to, you're aligned with the self. And so you are unattached to everything um, and you're able to see everything in a, in, in a third party uh, way, right? Where, where there's a distance between you and everything else. Right, so, um, yeah, cool. Alpana, you had something? Yeah. Actually, no, I just wanted to add a little bit on, you know, the three Aishnas you mentioned, Putraishna, Lokeshna, and Viteshna, and just link it to the sannyas. So, the, the monks who take sannyas, they, so, so to them, what it means is Putraishna is actually, it's, uh, you need a, son to do last rites for you to have a smooth onward journey after death. So that is what is at the core of everyone, whether we know it or not, but that's how Putreshna comes. So when a monk takes sannyas, they don't marry because they say, and they do their own last rites actually. Uh, that's the last thing they do before they take the sannyas. So that's how they take care of that Putreshna and uh, the second one is uh, Vipteshna. So you want all the money to be able to do yagnas and all where you can actually reach out to your Pitralo and they help you with having a better life in this life. So, so you need all the money to do that. Hence the sannyasi doesn't, for, for him, this life, he just wants to attain enlightenment that's the ultimate aim and hence they don't seek for that for that fulfillment then the third one is lokeshna which is to go to the higher heavens so you do all the yagyas etc so that you know in the next birth you get a position in you know one of the one of the heavens etc and same for the sannyasi that they don't want 
another life. Um, so they don't want a higher one. So I thought I'll just add that, which links to how the sannyas works and what these three aishnas are uh, for a sannyasi, obviously. So what I think Rajesh was trying to explain for us, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit more wider, but even for sannyasi, these things are important, but how they try to cut one by one, these things. And, and, and thank you, Alpana, for that. I think one other thing that I really want to, uh, you know, share here is, you know, of all, I've been reading so much about psychology since the long, uh, since the last 20 plus years. I have never found the depth of psychology anywhere else. Carl, Freud's, you know, you take whatever that you want to take. Anything else other than in, in our scriptures. If you look at it, the Bhagavad Gita, if you look at it, it's actually, you know, the Gita that we are following as, as a textbook, right? Where does it say, you know, God actually? It, there's nothing spiritual or quote unquote, the common sense of understanding of what this thing is. It's all about, you know, you, you know, the problems that your mind has, how do you solve the problem? That's what it talks about. Yeah. It's a psychology. And, and if you go to Upanishads, right? They yeah. say Upanishads is so hard to understand because it's psychology, completely psychology. Yes, yeah, you're you know, right. In fact, in the six, sorry, in the six philosophies which follow Vedas, three of them do not define God at all. They don't yeah. believe in it. And the other three they do, but, but yeah, as you rightly said. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, um, I, I realized that, you know, when I, um, after I presented, I, it, it occurred to me that I've not used the word, there was no, the word God does not appear in the slides. Uh, I, I, I just realized that uh, after the fact. Um, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, in fact, yoga, for instance, has the term Ishura, but it's more like a shout out to um, a concept and than something super core to it. Um, uh, Buddhism, obviously, is very, even in the uh, uh, six, uh, what you're saying, Alpana, is within the six uh, uh, um, philosophies that are based on Vedas itself, you don't have the concept of God in yoga and Sankhya doesn't, Sankhya actually re, re, rejected the concept of God, right? And that's where yoga came from also. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. All right, a lot of questions around uh, uh, antidote and how do you develop that opposite um, uh, Pratipaksha Bhavana, right? So I think let's have, I think it's a good discussion to have. Uh, we can relate to our own experiences here. Um, yeah, so I'll start it off basically. So one of the questions is, how do you, uh, how do we antidote, right? How do we avoid reacting and how to insert the opposite thoughts when you're obsessed with anger, as an example, right? Uh, this is the uh, classic thing with this, right? With this question of uh, how do you, how, how you become aware when you are in the midst of the situation, right? Um, how does awareness kick in? Because you're already overcome with anger, at which point nothing can be done. I can tell you that because the anger has been expressed in the mind. So it's too late. Now, whether uh, you end up saying something, doing something because of that anger depends on the intensity of anger that is built up and it's going to go through with that, right? So that's going to happen. So we realize that it needs to happen before that before it's expressed um, in, the, in the mind. So it initially comes in as a thought. The thoughts 
kind of snowball into something bigger. And then we become overcome with that emotion and we react one way or the other, right? So is it possible for us to um, have an insertion point earlier, try to um, handle it earlier? And, and where do we, how do we get that level of awareness so that we can um, handle it earlier? Now that's the question. And that's something that we develop. It's a muscle that we develop over a period of time. We um, will fail multiple times. So more often than not, we are going to express the anger and then look back at it and say, I wish I had not done that, right? So we, we have to go through this loop a few times before we uh, start to realize at least you know, early on. Now, the second part of it is meditation, right? So in meditation, we are constantly watching our mind, right? We are watching the thoughts that arise and go. Uh, we, are, we are watching the breath or we are focusing on a mantra, what, whatever the technique that you follow. But eventually it's about a, a very, very close observation that develops this ability to become aware, right? So it, it, it develops that it's like the gym where, you know, you, you go to the gym to um, develop your physical body and so that you can perform better in sport later, right? Uh, in the same way, during meditation, we develop this muscle, which is that of awareness. And over a period of when we are faced with something in the real world, that awareness uh, kicks in and we are able to intervene at the right time before these emotions get through uh, and become snowball into something much bigger. Right? So, um, yeah, so it's a combination of factors, I would say. It cannot be, I cannot, I'm not going to say just meditation. Meditation allows you to develop that awareness, but to do meditation, you need, there's a prerequisite for that, which is having a slightly calm mind so that you can meditate. And how do you get a slightly calm mind? <laughs> Uh, is by um, making the right choices, the right action, the right attitude, uh, um, what you do, what you eat, what you say, everything depends. So it's, it's a cycle, right? So where do you get into that cycle? It's harder to get into the cycle at the level of mind um, right away. So at the level of what we do is a good place to start. So by controlling what we uh, do in terms of moderating sense, uh, the sensory inputs, moderating what we eat and so on, slowly we give ourselves a chance to develop a calmer mind, which gives us a chance to meditate better, which builds their awareness, which in turn also uh, in increases our ability to make the right actions. So, okay, Rajesh, go ahead. Sure, to add on to what you said, I think, um, uh, you know, the Pratipaksha Bhavana, we may have to hold on to, you know, discussing that a little bit more in detail because actually the next chapter, what, what we're going to read in our book, right, is the field and the knower of the field. And I've gone through this, actually. Um, yeah. It talks about, uh, quote-unquote, the uh, various qualities that are, quote-unquote, quote good, quote-unquote, bad, okay? And uh, the most important thing is, you know, how do we apply that will come only with uh, a knowledge that we, once, once it strikes in us saying that looks like this path, is better. Pratipaksha Bhavana path is better for me to follow in the longer run because of the larger goal that I have. When that thing hits hits us in our, in our mind, it's very, very easy for us to start adopting it. And then we'll switch our practice to something else. So my, my suggestion would be, you know, Pratipaksha Bhavana, 
if we can have a rediscussion after we finish this chapter it'll be wonderful yeah no no definitely i uh and uh, personally um speaking i i see that um being able to uh, handle this uh, at a, at the right time um, when you're in the middle of this you know when you're about to face a situation i mean keep thinking about it in the sense that having this having the knowledge of something like this a technique like this i think is very useful um you can try it yourself in different situations that you're in um and and as uh, rajesh pointed out there are um various um uh, uh concepts or such as ahimsa for instance as an example having a good understanding of that helps the pratipaksha bhavana as well right the fact that you know let's say i say that i want to hold on to ahimsa at all costs so that's something that i've set myself to do let's say in which case that leads to um before i say something to somebody because i have given i've have taken a vow of ahimsa if you will i want to be clear that i'm not hurting somebody by my speech and hence i'm going to say the right thing and that's going to give me that chance to check myself before i utter a word or i before i utter that sentence that might potentially harm somebody it could even be carelessly saying something right uh, which might harm somebody inadvertently you may not be intending to do that but even there you might check yourself and say am i saying the right thing right uh, i find that very very useful even if it's not even in a, a business context am i talking too much am i saying what is useful right the am i using the minimum set of words to explain what i need to do and then and then be a good listener after that you know things like that we can start to develop those kind of qualities which show up in different ways both in the business context work uh, relationship context and so on so that's something um, as an example of something we can all try and keep applying okay uh, i think we'll just take a couple of more minutes i think it should be done. we will take another seven more minutes to complete the questions and then probably switch gears okay up. sounds great no yeah um yeah a lot of uh, questions around that basically uh, how to how to build that pratipaksha bhavana and how do you become aware uh, from what i can see here so uh, let's open it out if there are any other thoughts or comments we can we can address it now um even outside of what was already asked is one from satya and i may have missed that yeah can you give an example of opposite thoughts in a situation when somebody said rude to me something somebody said something rude to me do i some, do i think about something good about that person do you think um, you covered it later uh, kishor you know okay. you covered okay. that as part of it later yeah got the answer great yeah yeah sounds great yeah so um one way a uh, a uh, a uh, a uh, deeper way of thinking about it is f- at the at the very core level we are all the same right that's one attitude to build up right we are all the same finally um at the level of consciousness um it, it could also be uh, said that 
uh, we can think of it as, um, yeah, they said something rude to me, but could it be because of something that they are currently going through, right? And um, we can build those kind of uh, qualities as well. So, anything else to add, Rajesh, on that? No, I think that's good. I think ultimately, uh, you know, like what you rightly said, I feel the uh, the idea in our mind that there is no nobody else beyond that self in the entire universe. Okay, once in a while, if it, if we snap back and say, okay, hey, looks like it's just one. The moment I say they, them, then I think we probably already making that division. But it may be hard for us to do it on a daily basis. But as, at a mental exercise level, maybe once in once a day, just snap back and say, okay, say Nirvana Shatakam and say, remind yourself who you are. And then probably the, the number of incidences you start using in terms of how you, how you deal with your daily life. That's why I really love Nirvana Shatakam. You know, I'm 99.9% I'm, I'm, I'm sure that all of us have by hearted now by now. Thanks to Alpana's, uh, you know, uh, teaching us that particular thing. And uh, it's, it's a great, uh, you know, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, who we are. You know, if we remind ourselves that uh, this is our true identity, then suddenly half the problems actually become no issues. Absolutely, Rajesh. Um, because, you know, if you go to where we started from, that everything starts from likes and dislikes. Likes and dislikes are because there is duality. So if you just take it one step before that, if there is no duality, that's what Nirvan Shatakam says, right? It's I'm neti neti, I'm neither this nor that, right? So if there is no duality, then what will you like? What will you dislike? So, you know, as you were pointing out that, you know, as both Kishore and Rajesh, you mentioned that once that knowledge also starts seeping in and you constantly think about it. Um, and as, uh, you know, we've been discussing that any experience you have, if you just try to, to think who is experiencing it, it takes away half of the, you know, uh, the, the, the problems that are there. Sounds good, Radish. Yeah. I think uh, off to yeah. you, Abby can. Yeah. 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 One no, of the things uh, that I have sort of found, I found very powerful is this whole concept of oneness. And so if somebody does wrong to you, I mean, there is an instant reaction uh, inevitably. Uh, you know, maybe that's part of the training. Uh, but when you start thinking about the fact that it is, you know, we're all one and that there is kind of uh, no difference as such. So, you know, your, your attitude changes. At least it changes for me at that point and at least kind of calms me down and makes me uh, a little more uh, accepting of, you know, whatever is happening. Right, we can um, see whatever works for us at, uh, there are multiple ways of uh, building that uh, opposite thought, right? One is obviously the highest level would be the oneness aspect of it. The, another, another way um, is also to see, hey, if I react angrily right now, I'm first affecting myself. Right? When we get angry, we, the, I would say the 80 to 90% effect is on us first before we can 
transfer that anger over to somebody else through speech yeah. or otherwise, right? So we are impacting ourselves the most by getting angry. So to analyze that and say, is it worth it? Do I really need to go through that? Right? So even that kind of builds that um, internal yeah. um, check or awareness. And the next time a feeling comes in, we become immediately aware, not immediately, over a period of time, we start to become aware that, yep, I'm, uh, anger is building up. And that's the um, reaction in the body that gives you that signal that anger is building up. This is kind of what uh, uh, Vipassana talks about, where, where it talks about being very much aware of the reactions in the body, because the reactions in the body are happening because of a mental activity. So, but since the mental activity is, is harder to keep track of that versus what is happening in the body at the body level or at the level of breath, it's um, good to be aware of that and, and see that as an indication or a signal that you are about to get angry, right? So, and being able to intervene at the right time would be the key thing. Yeah, and to, to complete this yeah. discussion, right? I think if you go back, uh, you know, Ajay, what you said and uh, Kishore, what you said, if you go back finally to chapter one of Gita, it says that, you know, guys, your problem is because you're ignorant of who you are. That's exactly what it says, right? And then, you know, Correct. Correct. Um, you know, in chapter two, beginning, Krishna says that Arjuna doesn't understand. And unfortunately, we had to deal with 18 more chapters. Okay, so, uh, so the, the whole point is it starts with the ignorance and we have to get rid of our ignorance. So, Again, you know, the whole idea is like, you know, what we are, what we're trying to do in this whole path that we are, that we are trying to go on is, you know, we, there is a realization that, you know, we, we seem to be limited or we seem to be finite in some fashion or the other, because of which we are making adjustments either to the outer world so that we become that expansive, expansive, you know, so, I mean, one gross example, what people, uh, what some, one of the Swamiji uses is that because a man can't have children, children by, their, by themselves, they get married and they have children because now it, it, it's, it's slightly, you know, expansive view of yourself. Yeah, I can have children. How? Okay. There's a, a, a partner to you and likewise for the woman too, right? And then now you expand the same, expand the same analogy to different things. So you're trying to become expansive, expansive. You know, why do you have a family, large family, you know, good neighborhood, good society? It's all because you're trying to expand your consciousness. Okay. The point is we don't know we don't know, but we are subtly doing it, okay? Because that's the urge that what we have. So the the the, the stepping back, understanding the spiritual path means exactly what people are doing, but with the knowledge why they are doing it. That's all. That's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, the root cause. I mean, as we've all spoke, you know, discussed uh, at length, is is desires, right? Uh, and often it is. Uh, you know, everything is a kind of consequence of not fulfilling desires, whether it's anger or jealousy or whatever else, right? But that's the harder part. So, you know, if, if the, the thing that sort of seems to work in some, some instances is that you default to who am I? And that route kind of helps you kind of reconcile, you know, so it, it's, a, it's a process, but uh, yeah, it's a combination of, of multiple things. And, and that's a good segue into the next topic that we had to talk about, right? You know, desires and action and actionlessness. Any thoughts from anyone on, you know, how our desires, likes, dislikes, gives rise to our actions and what exactly is actionlessness, the way that the book talks about. And, you know, please 
feel free to share so we can revise that part of it and then move on otherwise we'll have another 28 minutes and we probably would require one more class after that to revise i'm 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 writing a book on that wow great <laughs> This is true actionless now. <laughs> Are you writing a book Vivek? Everybody is writing a book Vivek on actionless. You know, on desires and giving into desires. Oh, desires. Okay, I thought you were talking about action in non-action in action. Yeah. Alpara, you had you were saying something. No, I was saying it's action in actionlessness. Everybody is keenly waiting who's going to say something. <laughs> so waiting is an action. <laughs> so it is action in actionlessness. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the way you know. I will just probably uh, kick off this part of it, right? I think I think um, um, actionlessness for me, what it means is that. if we do anything and in our mind okay if we label ourselves saying that i am doing this or i am doing this because i want that as a result then you are in action period okay but the same thing whatever same task if i am doing it but if you think that i am not doing this i am doing this because somebody else told me or i am supposed to be doing this at this point of time choicelessness for me okay and whatever is going to be the outcome of it it really is not going to bother me then suddenly you probably are going to do the same thing maybe even better than what you were doing in in the case one that i earlier described in action case and then you are just doing it out of out of you know uh choicelessness and choicelessness now is good it's not bad that's what i would say is uh, the distinction between action and actionlessness so uh that ties into a couple of concepts right one is that of doership which is which is what you mentioned um and the second thing is you are so involved in that work in, for the intrinsic value of of the work that the doership actually goes down right so you you're doing it because th there is no expect uh, like expectation of a specific result in in that point so does it finally come down to the same thing um of the right attitude and intention absolutely absolutely it comes 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 down to that so the whole point is it's 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 that uh, it's it's ties down to two things right one is the karma yoga part of it one is the uh, you know um, bhakti yoga part of it because you know you not want to believe in quote unquote god or go to temples nobody cares who cares about that if you say okay i am going to do this with the same attitude that i have okay saying that what is the attitude the attitude is this is given to me this is my duty in this world to change this world whatever that is okay you know taking care of my children my family is my duty if you assume that that is your duty and going back to the point of roles right you you just do your duty the way it needs to be done perfectly without expecting that you know it's going to cost back some results to you in that in that context right i was reading this uh, interesting uh, uh, chapter somewhere i don't remember where i was reading this 
So, in that one of the Swamiji makes a distinction between right. He uses two words, beautiful words. He says uh, rights and duties. Okay. He says in the, the cosmic order, the order what we see, the natural order what we see here is, uh, if we have to do something, okay, whatever we do, the right of somebody else. And he explains it in the, the case of children. Okay. Uh, you know, as parents, you know, if we are doing something for the children, then it is their right to expect that from us as parents. But and it's our duty to do it for them. Okay. Now you we cannot do our duty and say, okay, now now I'm 75, you take care of me. That is incorrect way of doing duty. Okay. So he says, do argue for your duties. Make sure that you do your duties. Don't argue for your rights. Okay, your rights will come to you. Whether they come from your children uh, or somebody else, that doesn't matter. The cosmic order will take care. But you have to do your part in doing your duty. And I really, really liked it. Because duty and right, we are always, you know, in, even in the work context, you know, I do this, I, therefore I want a promotion. You know, why? No need to even bother about it. I'm saying, don't, I'm not saying don't ask for the promotion. I'm saying in your mind, don't think that I need the promotion. Therefore I'm doing this. That's the difference. Well, there doesn't need to be an and condition there, right, Rajesh? I mean, I do this duty, but I also want my rights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, the, the point is you also want your rights. The point is you are already assuming that you want the, that is a right for you. But what, what I'm, what I'm saying is the very fact that the company, the, let's say in the work situation, they are paying you a particular salary to do a particular work. Okay. You already got your right. What more do you want? So let's take an example of relationships. You know, again, mm -hmm. the relationship could be of a, a parent child or siblings or a wife or a husband. There is a duty. What is a duty for one can become a right for the others. Right. Uh, so, how do you kind of strike that balance? Let's take, take the example of you know, parent-children itself, right? Okay. It is absolutely intuitive for all of us to understand that, you know, we have to get the kids educated and, you know, take care of all, all, all those aspects so that the kids are independent, let's say. Till that time, someone is independent of you because they're, from the time they are born, then they become independent, they are dependent on us. That becomes, it becomes automatically our duty. Now, if we neglect that duty, then you are dereliction of duty. There's a problem with it, with it. And if we do the duty, but when we do the duty with the intention, I believe there actually, let me give you another example suddenly remembered. I believe there was one uh, joke, uh, one joke when Swamiji said, he said that right from the time uh, a kid was born, a parent started keeping a book, a katha book, okay? How much money they spent on the kid? Right, and this was a business-minded time. And at the end of uh, 1920 years, when that person was going, he opened it and he showed the total number. He wanted to make sure that he got back worth more than that with interest. Now that is not doing duty. He's of course he's taking care of making the kid independent, no doubt. But that kathaing is not relevant. Is not required. Okay. Hey, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to add one thing to that. Um, the aspiration to keep climbing higher, whether in professional or personal, is is always a good thing, right? I think we all agree on that. Um, we are trying to aspire higher um, in the way we do things, you know, thinking outside the box and all the, you can add all the cliches to that. <clears throat> it's always a good thing because it takes us to a different place, makes us learn more and, and all that. So, for example, with the kids, uh, nudging them or, yeah, uh, you know, my kids say you're trying to force it on me. So I, I uh, pull back when they do that. And then uh, um, I am at this place where I need to keep nudging them to do experience different things and uh, do that way. But it's not, I don't think we are, uh, even for ourselves, I don't think it's a, it, it's a desire. A lot of times it, we might be doing that because that's the way we have been taught to do it. You have to aspire for something higher, uh, you know, you'll, you'll become a better person and so on. So we just do it unconsciously. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm just adding to what uh, Shamla was saying. We, we tend to do those things like uh, automatically without, without thinking through, okay, what do we really, what are we really truly aspiring for? Right. I, I don't think any of us know what we are, we can say, I want to be, you know, CTO of this company or I want to go and run, uh, be like Steve Jobs. But what does that actually mean? I don't think any of us really truly know. But we want to keep striving and, and keep on growing that way. Similar to what we are doing uh, by learning the Gita and, and trying to grow, right? I think what I, what I, what I was trying to uh, articulate was, you know, to Shyamala's point, right? Absol absolutely no problem if you need to, at a transactional level, start negotiating with your management to go and saying that, hey, I need that promotion. I deserve that promotion because I've done a great job. So I need to get that promotion. No problem. We should all do that because we have to do that. But the point is, if we make that as a right that, okay, because I've done this, I must get it. If I don't get it, I'm going to quit. Okay. Or I'm going to do something which is, which is going to be not good for the company or not good for myself. That is yeah. the attitude that we need to change. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm not saying don't, don't ask for the promotion. Okay. We have to ask if the company is going to take uh, uh, advantage of you and, you know, make sure that, you know, they are not uh, giving uh, adequately compensating you either in the form of title or uh, pay or whatever. That's an injustice. You got to not accept it. But yeah. in our mind, if we already kind of make it saying that, no, this is what I want. Come what may. Okay. Then that is wrong attitude. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, Guns, once you're on the path and if your aspiration, yes, aspiration will always be there, but if your aspiration becomes, um, you know, too, too intense on the spiritual path, those aspirations yeah. do take a second seat. And uh, 
obviously not discussing it when the kids are around or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. not to misguide them but at a certain point in life you you may also feel that so then yes an aspiration stays but it it takes over the other aspirations and i just oh, wanted to uh, share yeah. one example uh, about this uh, um, action lessness in action uh, which is shared in quite a few upanishadic texts Uh, they take example of if you are going in a fast boat in a river you see the trees along the coast along the uh, along the edge of the river moving very fast and they say that's how it is in appearance to the world you keep working but you are actually stationary and i thought that was a very profound example that's how actionlessness in action is to be seen so to the world you keep doing you know what we discussed about the duties and the rights but somewhere that stability has to come that actually no action is being done which we also discussed with the non doership but that example is actually very very profound that to the world you appear to be moving but you are absolutely stationary yeah that is that is quite beautiful yeah yeah and, and your i like your uh, tell you this i'm tell you this last couple of weeks back i had the opportunity to cook at home once in a once in a while i do get that opportunity okay i cooked on one day i said okay i'm going to do this the great job that i'm going to do today and impress my wife and my son my daughter is no no longer stays staying with uh, she's she's at college now so i did that and it did turn out pretty well but you know i was expecting people to have a comment that the food was good and all that and the next day i said okay today i'm going to do this and offer it to i'm i'm an instrument and i i really did this experiment okay i have an instrument i'm just going to cook okay come what may and all i did was i chanted vishnu sahasranamam while while doing the cooking right i really enjoyed the food <laughs> i don't know <laughs> family <laughs> yeah exactly i i think uh, i use the word liberating i think it is very liberating even at work i find myself uh, applying this we do the same things or we actually do things much better with this liberating attitude i would say because you're no longer doing it because i you you know you want x or y you're doing it because that's what needs to be done uh, for that particular role that you are in whether it's at work or at home or somewhere else um and so you get involved a lot more because the mind is no longer um pulling you down with all kinds of other thoughts related to if you do this then you get that if you do this you get this other thing you're no longer doing that so you get into this there's more chance of getting into the state of flow when we go in with this kind of an attitude so in other words you're doing this for the intrinsic value um and eventually when you are in a state of flow and you're doing work it it's going to be a much higher grade higher quality of work uh, in the end which again you're not expecting a result out of that but that itself is the result that have having worked in that particular way with that level of that type of an attitude which is what you're saying uh, rajesh um the the fact that you cooked with a certain uh, uh attitude is itself the result right the uh, the karma yoga itself is the result the the fact that you did work with that attitude is a result 
I think that uh, it's a very beautiful feeling, a very, very beautiful feeling where it comes out uh, to others. They might see it as when you do this kind of work, they'll see it as it's coming out of a a different place uh, where you're not, it comes out as a selfless work. Your your, uh, selfish motive is gone. It's literally not there at that point. And it'll come out as a very, very um, selfless type of work. You know, I must. I, I should add this. Okay, I have this bad habit when I'm cooking to taste whether the salt is enough. Salt is there or spice is not there, and all that. And my wife always says, you know, when you're cooking, you have to, you should never taste it because it's like it's it's judakar types. Okay, so I, on that day, you know, since I was doing this with an attitude, I said, I'm going to do whatever it comes. It comes. It comes. It was perfect that day for me. I was very happy that day. <laughs> Okay, we, we are still 10 minutes away. So actionlessness, any, anybody has any questions, thoughts that we need to discuss here? Or are we, do we think that you know, we are good from our, in terms of our understanding of what actionlessness in action is at this point of time? Of course, our understanding will keep deepening as we keep learning this. But at this stage, is there, are there any burning questions on that particular topic that we need to discuss? That's action business. Great. Okay. Uh, so I think we should look at uh, the next part of some of the uh, uh, topics in, in that we were revising, right? I don't recall which one we said, whether uh, uh, whether we said we will discuss the uh, portion or whether we will discuss karma yoga. I was not sure. Vivek, you had asked a question. I said three topics will discuss actionlessness, um, devotion, and uh, one more thing. I don't recall which one we said. Um, I have the notes. We said devotion, meditation, actionlessness. Meditation. 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 Okay. Devotion, meditation, actionlessness. Okay. Meditation, I think uh, it's, we will not be able to do enough justice to do that. Uh, but yeah, we, I think we can start. Which one do you think we should start? Devotion or meditation? Or I meditation. Can just- I can tell one example again related to actionlessness. Yeah. Um, because I think yeah, we have very little time to pick up any new topic. Um, actually, it's, a, it's an example about cause and effect. And what we are talking about action is that, you know, action will, there will be a cause and there will be an effect, right? And what it's trying to show is uh, what it really means. So if we take example of a clay pot, So clay is the cause and pot is an effect. But when you see a little deeper, is the pot different from the clay? It's not, it's outside, inside, up, up, below, it is only clay. So can we show a pot different from the clay? We can't because it is clay in and out. So what it is trying to say, that pot is actually not created. There's nothing which is created. That means there is no effect. It is clay in and out, right? So hence, 
our general belief that there is a cause and an effect, if the effect cannot be seen separate from the cause, there's actually no effect. So I just want to leave you with this thought that actually the whole concept that we keep talking about cause and effect, it doesn't happen. And that's what helps seeing oneness through everything. I mean, this is just an example of clay and pot, but you can apply it to anything. So if the two things are not different, then if there is no cause, how can you expect an effect which is different from the cause? It is cause through and through. Uh, if 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 I may extend that a little bit, I mean, you know, my my understanding of this, and really at the start of this uh, study is actionless. The understanding of actionlessness is, is around the awareness and uh, the understanding that actually, at deep down, it makes really no difference. And that awareness and attitude that that brings. So even though you know, our role here is to act. And there's no way of getting away from action. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's sort of an application of, Heis, uh, you know, it's called Heisenberg's principle, I think, where the, the act of measurement affects the result. So the result is, you know, we don't want suffering from lack of results that we might be seeking. And the understanding that actually, you know, our true nature is actionlessness. Yeah. So that's, that's, is that a good way to understand? Absolutely. And both the examples actually I gave are to showcase that. That at core there is actionlessness. So, so we shouldn't be looking to get rid of action, but just understand, no. put it in perspective in that, because you can't be actionless in this relative world. You will keep doing by thoughts, by, by your physical body, everything. You will keep doing it, actions, as long as you live. Actually, there's a word what uh, Krishna uses in, uh, in uh, uh, Gita. He says, Mithyasha. Okay. Basically, what he says is for the person who thinks that, you know, he is... He says that I don't want to do all these things and goes off to some place and in his mind he's thinking about those things. Okay. Then it's like uh, a split personality, you know, for the external world, you know, you're quote unquote a great guy, but internally you are messed up. He says you need to, your mind, your thought, your actions, everything should align. He says that's what is yoga, he says. That's actionlessness. But alignment, once it is there, there's no change. You know, there's no up and downs in, in your mind as to, I want to do this, I don't want to do this. Whatever is there, is there. That's, I don't know, maybe you know, the visuals are pretty not good in terms of when I'm expressing them. But I think in my mind, it's very clear. You know, it's like, you just have to be one, one uh, not a dead person, right? Not, not, not the you know, hard dead symbol, but it's there. That's like intensely there. Yeah, that straight line is not at zero, it's at infinity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or put it the other way around, you know, we don't sense the earth is moving at 28,900 miles per hour, but yeah. it is 
actionless. It is action, but it's actionless for us. I think we have to behave like that mentally. And incidentally, even the Earth is going at such speeds. Even the sun is going around in some other such speed, and there's the galaxy is going at such speed. But everything seems to be actionless. How? Why should our mind be agitated? So does it also? Um, I, I used to think of it this way: that there is a you put a distance between uh, the real you and the transactional you. Right. So the transactional you is the apparent self is the one that's performing the action in this world, but you, as the observer, is is just that you're not performing the action. So that is that distance that you create between yourself and and uh, the apparent you that's doing the work. Right. So uh, if you are relating more and more to that real you, then there is no action. But at the same time, in the external world, there is a lot of action that you're performing, no doubt. But um, you have that wedge that you've created between, between the two. Is that a good way of understanding that too? Very well said. And you're tying back to what Gunz was talking earlier, right? That's actually the Sthita Pragya Lakshana is what uh, you know, uh, uh, Gita says. Right. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, I love that, Kishore, uh, uh, with the passport with the trees passing by and this one, it's coming together really nicely for me. Right. Uh, but I shouldn't say for me, I should say for us. <laughs> you know, but uh, an example here that I actually wanted to put, uh, I was, I've been trying to visualize how to, how to put it out on a, uh, on a slide, but basically, um, again, going back to, uh, we have spoken about this example, watching a movie um, and, you know, being part of that movie versus being part of the audience. So if you're part of the audience, anything that's happening in the movie, you know that you are the audience. And hence, whatever happens in the movie, somebody's running away from dinosaurs and trying to escape uh, the Jurassic Park. Obviously, that person is going through a struggle and tension and whatnot and has to do that. But then you know that you're the audience and hence there is no fear, there's no tension, there's no stress. You're enjoying it. Right. Uh, at the same, you know, even though the a character in the movie is going through all kinds of fear and stress, but oftentimes we become part of the movie, and then we in, end up going through that. But can we find ourselves as the audience? Can we see ourselves as the audience, and and put that distance between the screen and the audience? Right. So what is happening in our life is is playing out on the screen, but we are the observer. So that way we know. Um, whatever is happening is happening on the screen, not to you. So uh, th that's another uh, way of thinking about it. Yeah, screen is the pure consciousness. The observer is the, is the reflected consciousness and what's happening in that is actually how we behave in a normal life. Yeah. We've just hit 7.30 a.m. Pacific time now. Uh, I've I uh, noticed Shanta, VP Rajesh, and uh, yeah, they were pretty silent today. Any comments, questions from feedback, inputs from you guys? Any thoughts from you that you want to share? Nothing. I'm just observing all the stuff that you guys are telling. VP? Yeah, same here. Okay. Manu? Yeah, Manu and Mr. Mr. I'm and good. Mayesh. I'm good. 
I'm uh, enjoying the discussion today. I, I can relate to it on many levels and it, it's a good, you know, confirmation, validation of some of the things I'm thinking as well as uh, giving me some more things to think about. So very, very good discussion. Thank you. Okay. So I think uh, we probably uh, will not have time to continue this any longer. Otherwise, Alpana will uh, doze off right now. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Talk about uh, pranayam coming up as a subject too, right? It's on the list. Uh, sorry, Shamal, I couldn't hear you. Uh, hear the pranayama, we said that is one another topic on the agenda. I think last time we said it. Is it coming up sometime? Did he say? Uh, I don't pranayama. think. Pranayama. Pranayama. Did, did, he, did he discuss discuss pranayama here? I, I don't know because Gita doesn't. It was on the notes, uh, Radish. Uh, question. It was on the notes uh, of in terms of questions related okay. to um, yeah, both pranayama and meditation uh, as part of the practice. Okay. Right? So okay. Yeah, so it, it was I have a story. suggestion. Okay, maybe for the next session, right? You know, we should uh, we should move forward with the book actually. Okay, um, the uh, cha this chapter sixteen of the book, the field and the knower of the field. I think we should next week if, if you guys are okay with it but I would suggest one thing and th that's going to be a little I think it's going to be a reasonably okay topic I would I would I would feel based on the background what we have so far but maybe we might want to revise a little bit about what meditation concepts of meditation is into in, in the next weekend uh, session if that's okay with you guys okay so but we will change the order you know we will not first revise the meditation because the one moment you get there we'll one and a half hours. So first we will move forward. Okay. We'll show some action and then go back to actionlessness. Okay. First we'll show some action on chapter 16. And then once you have discussed chapter 16, gotten some fundas clearer, then we'll go back and do some meditation uh, review. Okay. And, and uh, it's, your request is if you, can, if you can discuss devotion a little bit as well, because that's something I kind of struggle with practically, understand the concept. Yeah, sure. We can do that too. We can do that too. So, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, we will discuss our chapter 16 and then 30 minutes on devotion plus meditation. And if there is time, maybe touch upon pranayama, which is probably not that relevant in the context of Bhagavad Gita. But uh, since there was a question from you, we will probably talk about it. Okay. All right. Over to you, Alpana. Right. Om Thank you, everyone. And I saw your question today on the chat in terms of happiness is not suffering. Actually, the meaning of this shloka is exactly that. You don't have to add anything or remove anything from me for me to be complete or unlimited. That's what this shloka means. It's a powerful shloka. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you.